Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favre. your hands together. Come on, I see you out there getting on with it. Come on, put your hands together. Let's talk about it just for a minute. Oh, I feel like I'm in the pulpit right now. Come on. Come on, just talk about it. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome to the pastor's office this afternoon, this beautiful Sunday afternoon. As you can see, we just got our new theme song in, and I just wanted you to hear a little bit of it, but this is Reverend Jonathan Mason here at the Northeast Baptist Church, Philly's Favor, 100.7 and 99.5 HD3. You're in the pastor's office, and it's going to be a great show today. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's Favor listeners, welcome back into the pastor's office. We just finished service downstairs and I can tell you right now the spirit is still high in this place. But I had to get up here today. And before I even go any further, I got to say this. Over the last week, and many of you know I used to serve as the international president of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, uh, and I got an opportunity to connect with all of the members of the Divine Nine. But over the last week, I have never seen so many members of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority wearing paraphernalia everywhere they go. My goodness, I told their international president, I can't wait to see what their intake looks like uh, this coming year. Kamala Harris, a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, the first African-American woman to serve as vice president of these United States. They're excited, but guess what? We're all honorary AKAs right now because we should all be excited about the fact that we can see a woman of color sitting in the second highest position in the United States of America. It's a great day in this country. But listen, I want to jump right in. I'm thrilled to have our guest with us today. Uh, I've been watching this gentleman for for years. Uh, He speaks from the heart. Uh, and he speaks about the issues that are impacting our community. He is the author of My Vanishing Country, a memoir. He's also a former state representative from South Carolina, CNN commentator, and host of his very own podcast. I want to welcome into the pastor's office this Sunday, Bakari Sellers. Bakari, welcome into the pastor's office. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. That was a great introduction. And uh, I've noticed that pink and green is just growing and popping up all over the place as well. So uh, you can't tell you can't tell those AKAs or those Howard grads anything these days. They are 
They are rightly proud. Listen, we uh, listen. I, 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 I've always and often said, you know, I went to Norfolk State University, and the first woman to reject me at Norfolk State was an Alpha Kappa Alpha. So I'm <laughs> so I, so I'm suffering from AKA PTSD. Uh, but I, but again, you haven't you haven't lived at an HBCU until you've been curved by AKA. So that's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, man, we are just excited to have you in the pastor's office this weekend. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out to be a part of this. But I, I want to jump right into to a conversation with you. I was watching you in May, uh, as was the rest of America on New Day. Uh, and and there were three minutes of that interview that gripped us. Uh, and, and, and so I want to I wanna ask you this morning, with the results of this election coming in, with a woman of color now sitting in the, or on January 20th, she will be sitting in the second highest seat in the land. And with a guy I like to call Uncle Joe, uh, the bridge, because that's truly what he will be uh, uh, coming in as president. I know in that interview in May, you, you said you didn't know what to say in regard to hope uh, for those uh, of us uh, of African-American descent. But do you feel there's some hope now? Do you see some light at the end of the tunnel? Can we make some positive change? I mean, I, I think so. I mean, that's a difficult question to answer at the time because they're, you know, escaping the trap of impoverishment in our communities has become somewhat synonymous with the proverbial dog that chases his tail, right? And so um, am I hopeful? Am I faithful? Yes. I mean, we've been in this country 401 years. So, yes. Am I proud of Kamala, who's a really good friend of mine? Am I um, proud of, of Joe Biden, who politics is so funny. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't think anybody would have ever guessed that Joe Biden would have been that transcendent figure in American politics on the issues of race, being the first, um, being the vice president to the first black president and then being the, uh, ushering in the first black VP. But I do think uh, that Kamala and, and Joe represent a new day. I think they represent the future of this country. I think they represent the diversity of this country. Um, and so I'm extremely proud. But I, I remind folk all the time that our work is not done and that November 3rd was just the front door of democracy. Um, voting is just the front door. There's so much work left to be done. So I'm proud. I'm going to soak it up on January 20th. But I just know how much work has to be done to repair the damage that has been done the last four years. Well, let's, you know, and, and let's 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 put peel the onion back, though, on the Joe Biden story. I mean, here's a guy who uh, was friends with Strom Thurmond, uh, who mm -hmm. absolutely uh, had some things to say about busing uh, uh, back in the day. But but I think he's a great example of how people can change through time and experience. And and, and it makes my heart feel good. Uh, to be able, my son is huge into politics, and and he brought those issues up to me uh, when I shared with him that I was going to be supporting Biden. But I, I really think that 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 Biden is a great example of somebody that can change over time. I mean, that's 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 an important. Well, I, mean, I, I think it shows. I mean, I think it shows, and you deal with this more so than anybody else in the ministry. Um, but people are complicated, and people are nuanced, and. In this new social media world, one of the things that makes Joe Biden Joe Biden is that, you know, we live in a country that has an empathy deficit, and he represents refilling that deficit. That's first. And the second thing is grace. Um, we have to start giving people the grace we expect to receive. Right. And I think that 
Um, Joe Biden is emblematic of all of that. He's, a, he's the antithesis to Donald Trump. It's a 180-degree difference. And I think that as we begin to heal from this divisiveness, um, is Joe Biden going to be the person who catapults us into a new generation of technology and a new, gener- and a new economy that's bubbling? And- no, he's not. But he's going to help us heal, which is even more important. Absolutely. Bakari, let's, 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 let's deal with a real topic here. Uh, did, did the election of Barack Obama as the first man of color in the White House shake up America to the point where we can't even acknowledge or where white America can't acknowledge the outcome of an election, a presidential election? As long as I've been alive, when the networks call it, it's pretty much done. We're sitting in a situation right now where we've got people of great intelligence, great education, great economic wealth that are saying, oh, let's wait a second. Let's count all of the votes. Uh, Did did the Barack backlash really hit America as hard as it seems? So that's a good question. That's a big boy. You need to be on on nighttime primetime TV asking (laughs) questions like this. That's a that's a really, really good question. So let me let me answer it as such. Um. I think the election of Barack Obama gave us Donald Trump. Um, and I think the, the um, as, as my friend Van Jones called it, the white lash that we saw, it was an overcorrection by this country. There, there were so many people who were taken aback by um, Barack Obama. And not only that, but the success that Barack Obama had. I remind you that Barack Obama got 330 electoral votes the first time and then 308 electoral votes the second time. And we had 84 straight months of job growth. And he saved um, the auto industry. I mean, there was so many, and, and he, <laughs> he insured 90% of, of Americans, right? So there were so many accomplishments along the way that we just overcorrected. And they gave us the closest thing to racism, xenophobia, and anti-intellectualism that we could find. I mean, if I say that Joe Biden is 180 of, of Donald Trump in terms of personality characteristics, in terms of intellect, Barack Obama is 180 um, from Donald Trump. And when you got Donald Trump, then you began to see, and you, you see this all the time, you see the erosion of the fundamental tenets of our democracy. You see the erosion of justice and the Department of Justice. You see erosion of the trust in news and media. You see the erosion of what is the essence of our democracy, which is our electoral system. All of these things came from Donald Trump. I don't want to blame Barack Obama for that. Um, or the response to Barack Obama to that, for that, but the response to Barack Obama absolutely gave us Donald Trump. And and I look at somebody like Bill Barr, who prior to becoming Attorney General uh, under the Trump administration was a well-respected figure. I even go, I'll even go as far to say someone like a Rudy Giuliani, who was America's hero uh, during mm-hmm. 9-11. These guys are looked at as complete jokes now because they've sold their soul. Is it, is it just racism in your opinion or, or are they, or are they just trying to placate this guy? I, I don't understand how men who previously had great reputations have sold out like this. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I mean, I, I think that I don't, I don't have the, one of the things I learned about being a lawyer is you got to tell people what you don't know. And so I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think that somebody's going to write because even it's, it's Lindsey Graham. Um, you know, all of these, all of these individuals have become pilot fish. And I, you know, when I, when I explain, explain pilot fish, pilot fish are those small fish that always need a big fish. They always have to be around the shark in the, in the water. 
Um, they're, they're, they're indescript. They do, they follow the shark everywhere. They do everything, but they don't, they don't really, um, they don't really have a positive impact on anything on the ecosystem. That's a pilot fish. And that's what Bill Barr and Rudy Giuliani and Lindsey Graham have all become. They just circle this guy and they just, they just want to be under him. They just want to be near him. They want to placate him. And I'm not sure how he has that impact on so many people. It's the weirdest thing I've seen. I mean, Ben Carson, for example, um, you know, it's just so many names that you can run down of people who have completely changed and lost their soul and lost their way being under Donald Trump. And it's absolutely amazing to me. And then, and then, and then watch this. Every last one of them continue to go to that White House and get their dose of COVID. Uh, even when, <laughs> even when it makes sense for us to wear masks, every event you see at the Trump White House, people are walking around with no mask as if because he says it's okay, it's okay. It makes no sense to me. But, but it leads me to ask you, these Trump enablers, these, they're going, they're going to still be around after Trump leaves office on the 20th. Mitch McConnell, as it stands right now, if we and, and I'm praying we flip Georgia. God knows. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But but <laughs> Mitch McConnell at this point in time will still be the Senate leader. When do they face repercussions for, for the error of their ways, for their sins in enabling this, this autocrat, Donald Trump? Well, they're done with them now. I mean, I, that's, the, that's the thing about politics. I mean, they, they, they treat the president the 45th president of the United States, um, like a cheap date. I mean, they, they're moving on from him. You hear Lindsey Graham saying that the race is over and Ben Sass and the rest of them. Um, so they, they're moving on from him. They're breaking up. Um, and whether or not Donald Trump knows it or not. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And when, I mean, that's the, that's the problem. I mean, we had a chance to hold Lindsey Graham accountable and we missed. We had a chance to hold Mitch McConnell accountable and we missed. Um, and so they're still going to be there. And whatever agenda we want Kamala and Joe to pass, we have to understand how difficult that, that's going to be with Mitch McConnell as the president of the Senate. Right. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't have that answer of when they'll be held accountable because you're right, they'll still be there. But I do know everybody that worked in this White House um, is going to forever have that stain of Donald Trump on them when they try to go out into the real world. Do you do you think that do you think that in 2024 and I'm I'm watching this with great interest uh but you know the the word on the street now is that he will not concede the election uh but he will announce before the end of the year potentially that he's going to be running in 2024 uh does does this shadow of Trump stay over the, the Republican Party for the next four years, or are they going to break up and leave him by the side of the road? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm as sure as you are that they're breaking up with this guy. Well, I mean, I think that Trumpism is going to be a stain for a while. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just think they're breaking up with the man right now okay? because they know he lost. Mm-hmm. And so they're moving on. Uh, they, they needed Trump to have the best turnout they've had in American history. They got it. They needed Trump to save their Senate majority, and they got it. Um, and so... We'll see what happens from there, but Trumpism is going to be around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about the South. You're a South Carolina native, former state representative uh, for the great state of South Carolina. And man, I, I talked to Congressman Clyburn a couple weeks ago here on the show, and we were just excited about the potential of Jamie Harrison unseating Lindsey Graham. It looked good. But on election night, 
uh, where it looked good for Jamie and it looked good for several other Democratic Senate candidates, it didn't happen. Uh, and I'm just curious, uh, you know, I see what Stacey Abrams has been able to do with her team in Georgia. Uh, do you see that kind of transition coming uh, throughout the other parts of, of the South? Do you see South Carolina uh, potentially going purple and then blue at some point? Or, or do you think that the establishment there is so strong that it's not possible? No, it's possible. Stacey Abrams showed us what was possible. And. You know, I, one of the things we have to do in South Carolina is register 300,000 voters. So we just have to do the work. And Jamie was a great candidate, and Jamie gave us everything he possibly could. It was an uphill battle from the start. Um, Georgia and North Carolina and Virginia, as you know, are further along than South Carolina, Alabama, and Mississippi. But it doesn't mean we can't get there. And we just have to do the work. And people forget that. I mean, people forget the work that Stacey Abrams did. We have to do the work. Um, from now until 2022, we have to register those voters, and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, listen, I, I want to ask you, I want to I pivot a little bit uh, and talk a little bit about uh, the COVID pandemic uh, and, its, and its effect on our communities. Um, we see now that uh, this week 147,000 was the top. Uh, not sure what yesterday's number was yet, uh, but this thing is getting out of control uh, we talk about the petulant child that is in the White House right now. Uh, do you think he has any desire or any motivation whatsoever uh, to to help move forth a, a recovery package or a stimulus package for this country? We know up to this point we've lost one in six small businesses. We know up to this point that people have the people have suffered uh, with mortgages, rent payments, losing their job, getting salaries cut. Uh, do they have any motivation? at this point in this Trump administration to help the American people get through this. I don't know if we can wait the 60-some-odd days until January 20th to get something done. Yeah, no, he's checked out. He ain't doing nothing else of good for the American people. And so, um, you know, it's just a – he is – and, you know, he's going to spend more time um, going to MAGA rallies that are sponsored by – white supremacists and oath defenders and three percenters. Um, and he's going to, you know, you, you dance with the people who brought you there. And that's his focus. And he's going to worry about himself. He has to figure out if he's going to pardon himself or pardon his family. Um, he has those legal issues he's looking at. He's going to start Trump TV, um, which will compete against Fox. Um, and no, he's not worried about the American people. So we don't, I mean, during this cold, cold, dark summer, dark winter, excuse me, we're going to have to just buckle up and pray that we make it to January 20th and we can have a, a package maybe done on the 20th or 21st. Yeah, that's, it's, that's very sad. It's very sad. I, I was sharing with someone yesterday uh, that some of the businesses that I frequented here in Philadelphia, uh, black-owned businesses, uh, there are there's shutters on the doors. Uh, there's there's they're, they're done. They're gone. Don't know if they're ever going to come back. And it's just unconscionable to me that the people that we've sent to Washington to represent us are focusing on 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 the on the on the election and trying to overturn it as opposed or denying it in some cases as opposed to helping the American people. Hey, listen, I had a chance to read your book. 
um, oh, when it came that. out. So and, and, and I did not want to leave this interview uh, without you being able to share with some of our Phillies' favorite listeners uh, a little bit about My Vanishing Country, a memoir, because I really think it will be something that they need to pick up, something that they will enjoy. Just give us a little bit about the book before we depart. Well, you know, you know, for far too long, people have only said that working class means white and rural means white. And I wanted to show that as a son of the movement, as a child of the civil rights movement, I wanted to tell my story of being from the working rural class um, communities in the deep south. My hometown is three stoplights and a blinking light. And uh, we, we're home to two HBCUs, Voorhees College and Denmark Technical College. And I wanted to talk about the black belt and um, the black belt, not meaning where a bunch of black people live, but, uh, you know, the richness of the soil where you have your cotton and your soybeans, where you have your uh, wheatgrass and sugarcane, et cetera, and how so many stories have emerged from there. And the political um, and social and economic contributions that were made by the hands of the people of the South. And now all of that is vanishing before our eyes and the promises of this country are vanishing before our eyes. And that's why I wrote My Vanishing Country and it became a New York Times bestseller. And I'm just, you know, so proud of it and thankful that you read it and thankful that your listeners to give it an opportunity and pick it up. Well, I want to encourage our Philly's favorite listeners to go to Amazon, go to go to your local bookstore, go to your local black-owned bookstore, uh, and pick up My Vanishing Country, a memoir written by our guest today, uh, Bakari Sellers. Bakari, I want to thank you so much for coming into the pastor's office. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull the uh, I'm gonna pull the um, the covers back here on 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 what happens behind the scenes. I know that you were were taking care of your twenty two month old twins uh, and having a good time with them before we started today. And listen, man, I, I want you to continue to raise those babies, knowing that God is still able uh, and that we're going to be okay in this country if we all work together. Thank you so much for coming in the pastor's office, man, and keep on being a bright light for our community. Man, look, the twins are here with me, and I think they wanted to hear what's going on in the pastor's office just as much as I did. So uh, thank you so much for allowing them to be a part of this interview in the background, and thank you for having me. I'm here for you when you need me. Thank you so much, Bakari. Ladies and gentlemen, Bakari Sellers. Have a great weekend, sir. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners. We're back in the pastor's office, and we want to again thank Bakari Sellers for making time for us today. But right now, I've got a special guest. I've been wanting to do this since we started the show because I want to expose you to a young man who, gosh, knows a lot about presidential history, uh, is well engaged in the political process, uh, loves to talk about it. Uh, he happens to be 14 years old. Uh, he is a high school student at Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey. Uh, I've kind of known him all my life. Uh, he's probably responsible for at least eight of the gray hairs that I have in my beard. I want to introduce to my Philly's favorite audience my oldest son, Jonathan Andrew Mason Jr. Jonathan, welcome into the pastor's office, although you've dirtied it up and messed it up a whole bunch in your lifetime. How you doing, son? Uh, hi, I I'm good. Hello, radio world. Tell, tell the Phillies favorite audience a little bit about yourself. Tell them, tell, them, uh, tell them what you're studying in school, what you like best about school. Talk to them a little bit real quick before we jump into politics. Oh, uh, school. In school, um, we study the regular school stuff, history and uh, math and science and 
English and all that. Um, the best part about school is going home because I like home. I'm paying all of this nice money place. for There's this model t- railroad at home. Son, I'm paying all of this money for tuition. And you just told the Philadelphia audience that the best part of school is going home. I, 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 we're going to have to talk about that tonight when I get home. I'm a little I, bit concerned. I like some of the classes. You, you some like of some of the classes? Are boring. Some of but them I are like boring. Some of the other classes. Okay. All right. So I want you to. I want to articulate what you just said. I like some classes. I don't like some other classes. Some are boring. Thank you for sharing that with the audience. We appreciate it. Now you talked about your model train. So you like to get home to play with your model train set. Is that what it is? Oh yeah, they're great. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let's dig into politics, man. I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about uh, this presidential election. Uh, We talked about uh, President Trump. We've talked about Joe Biden. He's a funny guy. Say what? He's a funny guy. What do you mean he's a funny guy? Because all the stuff he says, all the dumb stuff he says, like with uh, Joe Hyden or Focahontas or (laughs) Crazy Bernie. Or AOC and three. And his dances at the end of his rallies that he used to have. He gets it in at the end of the rallies, doesn't he? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and he also, what did he also say, Kung Flu? Kung Flu. Yes, yes, yes. So you find him to be funny. But you do understand that some of the things he's done has been a little bit dangerous and a little bit, and has set our country back a bit, don't you? Oh, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. So what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on uh the outcome of the election? Do you think he's going to concede? Mm, maybe Mitch will make him do it. You think so? Maybe. So or they so, won't let him run in 24. So do you think it will be a little bit like uh what they did with Nixon? What do you mean? Where they had to go and tell him to resign? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Bush Bush made him resign. George when George he was uh well, he wasn't in office then, but Bush came to him and said, hey, maybe you should resign. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So you do believe you do believe he will eventually understand that the election was lost? No. My friend actually sent me an article. He said that, it, and the article said that Trump knew he lost. He's just trying to put on a show, which is another thing that he does. Puts on a great show? Yes, he puts on a show. Okay. All right. I understand. I understand. So listen, what do you think about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Joe is cool. Kamala is terrible. What? Yes. Tell, tell, okay. All right. Let, let, okay. Let's pull, let's, let's, pull, let's pull the onion back. Let's peel the onion back. Why do you say Kamala is terrible? We've had a lot of conversations about this. I thought I had brought you over to the right side. Because haven't you heard about what she did when she was district attorney and um, like at the first debate, Tulsi Gabbard, who should have been at least the vice president or should have a spot in Biden's cabinet, she was talking about how Kamala put all those black men in jail for the smallest of drug offenses. But then when she was on the breakfast club, she was joking about it and saying, ha, 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 yeah, you know, in college I was smoking weed and listening to Snoop Dogg. And then she was hiding the evidence that would have freed some of them off of death row until the courts forced her and she enforced um, uh, bail. Uh, I think there's a specific term for it, but it affected a lot of poor people because they couldn't pay the bail because it was high up there. You can You should look up the full clip, Tulsi Gabbard versus Kamala Harris Democratic debate. 
So you don't. So so you're not a big fan of Kamala Harris, I guess. I no, guess and she's say. an opportunistic hack. She she said that she believed Biden's accusers and basically called him a racist when she was like, "That little girl, that little girl was me." But then she wants to turn around and be her vice pres and be his vice president. Well, that's, that's just dumb. Well, don't you think there's a role? There's a there. Don't you think there's space in? human relationships for redemption for forgiveness for for well, finding some levels of understanding on the scum of the earth i don't think you can really make a redemption because i if you think that biden did the sexual assault then you can't fix that he did it and you can't necessarily apologize about it because think about um the woman and what she's probably thinking. Think about it. Okay. All right. All right. I'm thinking about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But listen, they're in now. They're going to be in office on January 20th. Are you excited about the potential of the administration and what, what they could do together? Um, I guess. All right. But I hope Joe is able to keep his wits until 25. I don't want Harris as president. You don't want you don't want Kamala Harris as president. Nope. Okay. She'd be a Democrat Trump. She's like the black Hillary Clinton. Just another corrupt hack. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, and, 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 and I want the listening audience to understand the views expressed by my 14-year-old child are not necessarily the views of Philly's favor, but I do applaud independent thought, and I do applaud a young man who's engaged at this level, even at the age of 14 years old. But, Jonathan, let's be real. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at the television and seeing the first woman of color uh, become uh, vice president of the United States. Forget the politics for a second. How did that make you feel as a young black man? Again, forget the politics for a second. It was okay. It was okay? Yeah. Give me a little more. Um, I think someone else deserved the honor, but it was okay. Okay. All right. All right. I can't, Max, I can't get Jonathan over this Kamala Harris uh, hump. He's not going. He's not going to go no, with no. me. No, no. Forget even the character. She has a terrible character. Okay. All right. All right. I understand. Well, listen, I know that you are a great fan of presidential history. Uh, talk to me real quick and tell the Phillies' favorite audience who you believe to be the best president. Give us the top three presidents, the the, the top A's of presidents in American history. And give, and give me the three. reasons why. Um. Okay. Well, you got Lincoln. I mean, he freed the slaves. What more could you ask for? He kept the union together, you know? And then you got Franklin Roosevelt, uh, the Great Depression. You can debate whether or not his policies actually helped or not, but he eventually got us out of it. And then there was World War II. He did a pretty good job with that. And then number three, number three. Hmm. I don't know. Really? I thought you no, liked No, I don't know. I thought you liked Clinton. Clinton? Yeah. Um He's okay, but he got impeached. He lied to Congress. And he also ignored the Rwandan genocide. He is like, "Who? Oh, oh, what's happening? Oh, I don't see anything." Okay. 
All right, all right. Well, listen, I've been like I said, uh, I've been wanting to do this, and I and I and I I I, I, I had to take privilege here today to have my baby on. Uh, because I really do. These are the types of conversations that we have at home quite frequently uh, about current events, about presidential history, about where the country's going. Uh, and, and I really enjoy those conversations. So I just wanted to share with you, my listening audience, just a little bit of what we do at, uh, in new, in, at our home each and every night. Son, I want to thank you for coming on. Do me a favor. Can you make sure the dog gets her medicine, please? Oh, don't worry. We already did that. You already took care of giving her a medicine? Uh-huh. All right. And and don't antagonize your brother, all right? Okay. All right. Love you much, and I'll see you when I get home. You too. See you later. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Philly's favorite fans, I want to thank you for joining us in the pastor's office this afternoon. Oh, my goodness. What a great show that we had today. I really enjoyed the conversation with Bakari Sellers, and I certainly enjoyed talking to my baby boy, Jonathan Andrew Mason Jr. Listen, I hope that each and every one of you uh, that have been blessed to have children that are of this the age. My son's 14 years old. My youngest son is 10 years old. We have these conversations. Have these conversations with your children. Engage your children about what's going on today. Make them aware, and then guess what? Don't be afraid for them to have their own thoughts, their own beliefs, and their own opinions. That's what we're here for as parents. That's what we're here to do, to guide them, to train them, and to bring them up so that they can be vibrant young men and vibrant young women that'll help take this country to the next level. I'm encouraged today by what I am seeing. I see the country coming back together. Yes, there are 72 million people that voted for Donald Trump. And we we are appreciative of their right to have made that vote. But now it's time for the country to come together. And I believe that we have an administration coming together that's going to help us heal a lot of the wounds. I want to encourage each and every one of you to do what you can to heal some of these wounds. We've got wounds in Philadelphia. If we didn't, I've got to tell you, I still wouldn't be driving up Broad Street and seeing businesses boarded up because we're concerned about looting. I want us to go into the communities and talk to these young men and women that thought it was appropriate to loot and to rob because they were upset about something that took place in our city. I want us to go into the community like Stacey Abrams did before she was running for governor, after she was defeated, to get people engaged in the political process. Look what one person and a team can do when they put their mind to it. Georgia has flipped, and it's not even about red or blue. It's about more people being involved in the process, more people allowing their voice to be heard. That's what we've got to encourage as we go about our daily duty. It's not enough for just a few of us to have an opinion. Not enough for a few of us just to be able to say something about what's going on. We've got to go out into the hedges and the highways and bring everybody else because, and I always say this, until every child, whether black, white, brown, uh, or whatever color, has a seat at the table of success, none of us have a seat at the table of success. We cannot afford to allow our country to be divided along the lines of race, to be divided along the lines of economy. We've got to come together as one country. Uh, I always remember when I went to school, uh, we said the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
unto the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice, not for some, but for all. Thank you for indulging me today, Philly's favorite listeners. This is Pastor Jonathan Mason of the Northeast Baptist Church in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia and here on your radio dial at Philly's favorite 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We'll be right back in the pastor's office next Sunday. Same Holy Ghost time, same Holy Ghost place, 2 p.m. Join us here and have an awesome week in the Lord. Son.